Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Keep it moving. We keep it grooving. We're rolling here on the football playbook. TFB with RIC. So happy to be here on this beautiful Wednesday, September 28th, our 22nd episode here on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you click subscribe, get all of our show notifications. And if you're watching live or even on the archive, do your boy a favor, hit the like button. Let's get it started early. We're trying to do big willy things here at Jacob Sports, just like Jalen Hurts. And I want to open up with the message for my message for the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Okay. Good morning, Adam and all our chat room people. Thank you for waking up with us today. Last week, Jalen Hurts talked about be a thermostat, not a thermometer. In other words, you set the temperature. Don't react to the temperature. Don't react and gauge the temperature. You dictate the tone. You set that gauge. Be the thermometer. Or be it a thermostat, not the thermometer. My message, I'm going to go a little MJ. And yesterday we had a Mob Deep reference. We had a Missy Elliott reference. Today we're going to have an MJ <laughs> reference. Looking at the man in the mirror, Coach Nick Sariani, Philadelphia Eagles. Here's looking at the man in the mirror because that's what you're facing this week. When Nick Sariani wakes up, and he makes that walk to the bathroom mirror. He's hoping to see the reflection of one Doug Peterson. The only head coach to bring a Super Bowl championship to the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what Nick Sariani is striving to be. That is what the Philadelphia Eagles are hoping to be. And best believe, big old Dougie P is coming with a chip. And going to try to drop the hammer on the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday. So anybody who tells me, well, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, you know, maybe they're ahead of schedule. Bullshit. This is, this is a real team, man. I don't want to hear that. And now we got some Jaguars fans in the chat. Welcome, Tyler. What up, Birdman? And Austin Lane yesterday did a great job talking about Jacksonville. We'll have Ashlyn Sullivan from the Jaguars.com coming up in a little while. But anybody who thinks this Jacksonville Jaguars team is not for real, 
I can't take very seriously. I, they they whooped. They whooped the Chargers, who a lot of teams or a lot of media felt like the Chargers could win the AFC West. You had people picking the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl. Now the Jaguars trounce them 38-10, to 10 and they're not that good. Give me a break. They also beat an Indianapolis Colts team that just came off of a win against Kansas City. So don't sleep on the Jaguars. Don't sleep on the message being delivered behind closed doors by Dougie P down there in Jacksonville. Don't sleep on this Jaguars team because this is looking at the man in the mirror. You want to be the best. You've got to beat the best. Oh, by the way, don't look now. Trevor Lawrence, your AFC Offensive Player of the Week. He's playing at a very high level. Jonathan Gannon had a press conference yesterday. They asked him about Trevor Lawrence. Why is he playing at such a high level? He said he's playing extremely fast. He goes, you watch a lot of quarterbacks on film. It's the, it's the quarterbacks who play extremely fast who excel in this league. He said he's processing at an all-time high. The smarts, the big-time arm, the athleticism, he's very tall. He can see over the pocket. But I thought he said something interesting during his press conference. He said, we put on the game film from last year, and then we watched the game film from this year, and he's just moving at a faster pace. He's processing and getting rid of the ball at a faster pace. And so Trevor Lawrence, much like Jalen Hurts, has ascended here. And I think this is his third year as well. So you have two quarterbacks on the ascend, two hot teams riding. Let's ride. Right, Birdman? I see you out there. Let's ride on these Jaguar fans trying to invade our show today. But it's Jaguars week, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that matchup. But uh, staying on the Jonathan Gannon presser, you know, he said Trevor Lawrence is a problem. You got to account for their uh, skill position weapons. They can do a lot of different things. And he gave a lot of props to Avante Maddox, I think, the unsung hero. We talked about it with Gail Saunders yesterday. Avante Maddox, that big fourth down smash up play against Logan Thomas, where he was giving up about a half a foot and 60 pounds. He just crushed him. I thought that sent a real message about how the Philadelphia Eagles intend to play defense. And I liked Jonathan Gannon's demeanor yesterday. I thought he really handled himself well. Oh, by the way, Brandon Graham, your NFC defensive player of the week. He barely played 30 snaps. How about that? Talk about maximizing the gas in the tank. But Jonathan Gannon, I can understand. I'm not anointing him a future NFL head coach. I'm not saying I would hire him as a future NFL head coach, but I can understand why he got three head coaching job interviews because he talks, he talks the coach speak with the, with the best of them. And I, and a couple of things that stood out to me is a lot of praise for the fellow coaches. Um, but he, as much as he praised the players, he praised the coaches for for the football character of this team. And he said he pops into different position room groups and, you know, pokes his head. The other day went to 
you know, he says he misses the camaraderie of being a coordinator because, you know, the, the coordinator player relationship, the player development aspect of it, when you're, when you're a coordinator, as opposed to a position coach, you kind of, you know, you're not in tune as much, but he says he visits, he pops around, he knows who the hot rooms are. He was in one of the rooms the other day and a question came up about why isn't the Dean playing? What's wrong with the Dean? He said, listen, you guys should be in the in, in the linebacker room. This guy's a sponge. And we talked about it on this show. All I heard coming out of Georgia, this kid's so smart. He's so cerebral. This guy is one of the smartest players in the draft. Well, Gannon basically echoed that and said, you know, him and Kaiser White are watching film, and he's asking Kaiser, like, hey, how'd you know how to shoot this gap, even though this play was called? And Kaiser's like, man, I'm just feeling it out there. And Nakobe's like, damn, I can't wait till I get to that level of comfortability. And that's what they're doing. And Gannon said, you know, he gets a chance to watch from true professionals as he learns the special team. There's nothing wrong with that. N'Kobe Dean, as Gannon said, will get his chance. I have it written down right here. N'Kobe Dean will get his chance. So there's nothing wrong going on with N'Kobe Dean. In fact, he had nothing but praise, nothing but kudos, nothing but love for the one N'Kobe Dean. Okay. Now, Fletcher Cox was another guy, you know, saying ultimate team competitor. Uh, they really want to just put him in position to wreak havoc, you know, put him in a position to impact the game. And he gets that this year. He understands that. Showtime says Nakobe is going to be more of a stud. Because he's taking it all in. When he's ready, they're going to unleash the beast. Trust me, N'Kobe Dean's a player. You saw Devin Lloyd last week, 14 tackles. You'll see him firsthand this week for the Jaguars. It was Devin Lloyd, N'Kobe Dean. Devin Lloyd, N'Kobe Dean. That was the talk until the knee injury uh, emerged. But Dean and Lloyd were one and two coming out of this year's draft as the top inside linebacker prospect. That's the kind of talent of N'Kobe Dean. I agree. And he also said Kaiser White and TJ uh, Edwards are just playing so physical. They're finishing uh, improved tacklers. He was asked about the snap counts and how, you know, some guys are playing 100%, some guys are not. Last year, that wasn't the case. Basically said, you know, it, it goes into the game plan. It goes into the flow of the game. So it just happened to work out that way. We'll continue to monitor that. Of course, I was a little bit alarmed because Slay only played 80% week two, 79% week three. Is that an injury thing that's going to linger? That's, you know, the only concern I have. Otherwise, the Eagles have been unscathed injury-wise. And I know Ashlyn Sullivan from, from Jaguars.com is going to join us in a little while. I also want to talk a little bit about Shane Steichen's press conference because he talked about the Jaguars defense, said they're a salty group. He must be hanging out here at the uh, Jersey Shore with the salt life. Said they're a salty group, strong up front. Strong against Iran. They have the pass rushers. Um, you know, we talked about Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith with the Vikings was going to be a handful. Well, John, uh, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker last year's number one pick. Allen and 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 Zadarius White, I think, were teammates at Kentucky, but this edge rushing unit is going to be a handful. Um, and here's what Here's what Shane Steichen said about Jalen Hurts. Not Rick Saratella. Don't take my word for it. Okay? Shane Steichen, who's in the building every day with Jalen Hurts. This guy doesn't leave the building. We can't get rid of him. 
said I'm walking in the building 4 a.m. in the morning and on the way to the facility, I walk by the gym room. There's Jalen. The other night, Jalen pops by. It's 8 o'clock at night. Steichen's getting ready to go home. He said, hey, Jalen, I hope you get some rest. He said, nah, coach, I'm heading to the heading back to the gym. I'm going to get some bike in. He said, this guy will not leave the, the facility, doesn't leave the building. All he thinks about is football. And when you have a work ethic like this, he said, good things are going to happen. And he said, I can't wait to see it. That's Shane Steichen saying that, not me. Then, of course, there's our media brethren who still won't buy in or believe into the Jalen Hurts type. So they got to do follow-ups, right? Hey, coach, all that intangible stuff is all fine and dandy, right? But what about his mechanics? What did you see when Jalen was throwing the ball? Can you educate me? Some of these guys need to start watching the football playbook. <laughs> yeah. This is not what Rick Saratella said. This is Shane Steichen, okay? Jalen has learned how to make quicker decisions, read through his progressions, has a much faster release point, and anything that comes with life and experience and game reps, guess what? You get better. Little rocket science here for you guys. He said his decision-making's improved, his release is better, his accuracy and we talked about the weight room work. It's less weights, more bike. Less weights, more bands. He's not at, He's still a big-bodied quarterback, but he's not as rocked up. And we talked about it's making him more mobile. It's making him more of a fluid thrower. And because of all that, it's also leading to increased confidence. No more Carson Wentz. Second year in a row in the same system. Third year in the league. Does it make sense for you yet? Because Shane Steichen, who's another guy who might not be here, he might be the head coach of a team next year. And I like Steichen too. I like him even more than Gannon. He might not be here next year, but if it, if it, if it was his decision to make, I can guarantee you he wouldn't let Jalen Hurts walk outside that building because he said it's going to be really special to watch him put it all together. He said it's going to be a special thing because this guy doesn't leave. We can't get rid of him. He doesn't think about anything or speak about anything except for football. Guys, that's why you want Jalen Hurts as your franchise quarterback. He's going to continue to put in the work. He's going to continue to improve. He's going to continue to get better. I hate to be a broken record, but oh, by the way, he's only 24 years old. Tyler says, hey, let's see. Call me come playoff time. No doubt. Lamar Jackson, come see me. Come play in playoff time, right? Because Lamar Jackson bet on himself this year. Hasn't had a lot of success in the playoffs, but I guess, guess what? He wins in the playoffs? It's going to rain. Same thing with Jalen. And we talked about it, man. There's nobody in the NFC looking like world beaters right now. By the way, a little bit of uh, news. I told you Brandon Graham was uh, Eagles or NFL, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Um, also, I saw some news just this morning. 
tell me what you guys think about this. Uh, Eagles are going to wear the black helmets for three out of the final seven home games. The black helmets are coming out. And they will make the debut during the true litmus test, the true litmus test of the season, which is, you guys know, right? Thanksgiving week, November 27th. The Green Bay Packers coming to town. The Black Helmets are making the debut. So that was interesting. A uh, little bit piece of news there. But, you know, we're going to have Ashlyn Sullivan tone. Let me know. Uh, Jalen Hurts, though, they talked about um, also Steichen talked about the trust with his wide receivers, how he's able to distribute the ball and feel confident about it because, again, it comes with the repetition. These guys are staying after it, staying after practice, getting the extra work in. And then he said the the mental makeup and DNA of Jalen Hurts is second to none. Shane Steichen said that, not Rick Saratella. Shane Steichen said his, his makeup and DNA is second to none. And so because of that, because of the repetition, not just on the field, he's getting guys in the film room. They're doing the mental reps. And they continue to hammer that home because Jalen Hurts is looking at that man in the mirror and saying, yes, I want a statue like Nick Foles. Yes, I want a contract like Carson Wentz. Yes, I want that parade downtown. So those are some takeaways from the press conferences yesterday. Of course, we went over Nick Sariani's presser on yesterday's football playbook show where we had uh, Austin Lane, which was a great interview. If you guys didn't get a chance to catch yesterday's episode, Gail Saunders from fourth and John Austin Lane, uh, the former Jaguars current uh, UFC fighter was also on. And right now we're going to get our finger on the pulse with uh, Jaguars.com. Ashlyn Sullivan joining the show, making the football playbook debut. Good morning, Ashlyn. How are you? Good morning. Sorry about being late. We're in a bit of a frenzy with this hurricane coming. It's a little frantic, but we're good. I get it. I get it. And that's where I wanted to start off because this hurricane, uh, Ian, Ian uh, is making its way towards Florida. Are you Are you guys in safe confines? Is this going to uh, impact the practice routine? What's happening down there in Florida? Yeah, not going to lie. It's a little eerie here in Jacksonville this morning. We're definitely already feeling the effects and it hasn't even hit the West Coast yet. So this is a huge storm that is going to impact this week. Um, head coach Doug Peterson isn't really changing the plan. And I think that speaks to kind of his kind of his calm demeanor. The Jaguars will stay downtown. The, the real concern is if the bridge is closed, what happens? So I believe that they might keep the players and coaches in hotels downtown just to keep them close to the stadium. There was talks of maybe going up to Atlanta or going up to Philly early to get away from this storm. But head coach Doug Peterson believes in keeping the routine the same as much as possible. So they're going to stay here in Jacksonville. They're going to practice all normal. No times have changed um, and write it out. And everything we're hearing is we will travel like normal to Philly on Saturday. Uh, we're hoping for the best, Ashton, and we really appreciate you taking the time in the no middle problem. of a storm. I know uh, Tampa, I believe, moved opposite to Miami coast. I saw uh, online there was her, uh, tornadoes between Naples and, and, and Miami happening and, and Key West already flooding. So it doesn't look great on the satellite. We're hoping for the best. Um, one thing that has been good is the Jacksonville Jaguars' <laughs> success. And uh, 
you know, we had Austin Lane on yesterday and we talked about how ahead of schedule that they are. I know you were with the team, I believe, uh, last year covering the team and, and had a very successful podcast. And we'll get into that. But you saw the, the coaching regime from a year ago and then this new regime under Doug Peterson. Obviously, something is working. Something different is happening. What have you observed and uh, noticed being around the team every day? Yeah, it, it's totally different. It is night and day from where it was a year ago. And truthfully, when head coach Doug Peterson was brought in here, I thought there would almost be a, a point of healing, to say it for lack of a better term. Um, just with everything that the Jaguars went through last year, I knew that Coach Peterson came in with a long list of accomplishments on his resume. And we all knew this is the right guy. With that said, like Austin said yesterday, we thought, you know, this might take some time. You know, this might be a bit of a rebuilding year as the Jaguars earn trust back and they get a coaching staff that they can build around. We're all a little surprised of how quick this is going. And that's all credit to Coach Peterson. He's doing a great job of scheming guys open of the playmakers they do have, using them to their advantage. The Jaguars are winning right now because of coaching. They are winning right now because they are out coaching other teams. Yes, it's a better roster. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence is playing better, but it all goes back to Coach Peterson. He's putting these guys in position to succeed. And, and we couldn't have said that a year ago. Hey, coaching matters. And look at all the new pieces they brought in Christian Kirk. They brought in uh, uh, Zay Jones, uh, Travis Etienne's like getting another first round player back. All these guys weren't even incorporated into the offense. So they're clicking on high cylinders. I want to get into that in a little while. I know we only have so much time with you, but just to follow up on Doug, because here in Philadelphia, as you can imagine, it's it's brought up quite often about oh, Doug yeah. Peterson returning to Philadelphia. What what has been the media storm or the media questioning line of questioning down in Jacksonville? Has it been a frequent topic of conversation? I wouldn't say it's frequent. He did get asked about it on Monday. So I think this week, if the Jaguars weren't playing as well as they are, I think that might be more of a story is Doug Peterson's grand return. But really, I think the reporters and the fans, you know, want to know more about this team and, and how the Jaguars will fare against the Eagles. I mean, this game all of a sudden is incredibly more fascinating than it was a month ago. You know, we thought going to Philly, all right, you know, this is a good Eagles team, but we didn't think the Eagles were going to be as good as they are either. I hear fans clamoring that they want this flex to Sunday night football all of a sudden. So oh. that's really the topic this week. But Coach Peterson did mention on Monday, we, we were laughing on whether he's going to get booed. Is there going to be claps? Is there going to be both combined? Um, and Coach Peterson, you could tell he just he doesn't care about it. He's like, I got booed when I was a coach there. So, yeah, I'll probably get booed as being the opposing coach. Um, you can just tell how much Philly means to him. He laughs and he smiles when asked about it. And you can just tell, you know, how close to home that really is to him and how he still has a ton of family and friends there. He said he expects a ton of friends to come to this game on Sunday. So I think the players are really rallying around him and they want nothing more than to get a win. For Doug in Philly, I think that's definitely a, a driving force, but I don't really think this team needs extra motivation either. Well, Ashlyn, I can tell you this, you know, they, the, the Boo Birds travel well. They were down <laughs> in D.C. and gave Carson Wentz the business last week. But I can tell you from the media that we've had on this show and also the fans in the chat room throughout the week, I'm going to guess that Doug Peterson gets a standing ovation. That sounds oh, that's like awesome. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to get the respect that he deserves. That's great. Just like Philadelphia means a lot to him, he means a lot to the city. Right. And that doesn't go unrecognized by the fans. So I think he's going to get a ravishing standing oh, that's ovation. That's very cool. I hope so. I think he he deserves it. And I know, you know, from when he talks about Philly, you can tell that would mean a lot to him. 
Yeah, no, it's going to it, it's going to be tough for him emotionally out of the gate because uh, so many memories uh, are going to come back. But, you know, he's creating new memories. And you said the coaching has really taken this team to new heights, especially on the offense. And um, I listened to, you know, the Eagles coaches talked about watching Trevor Lawrence on film and how much his game has sped up and how he's just operating and processing at a faster pace obviously playing at a high level. What have you noticed from the development of Trevor Lawrence? He's kind of uh, put himself into maybe a top 10 quarterback in the league category. Yeah, and it goes back to week one when the Jaguars lost in a very close game to the Washington Commanders, and Trevor didn't play his best game. We were at the point where we were asking ourselves. We kept talking about the jump that Trevor was going to make in year two, and we kept comparing it to a Herbert or a Mahomes. We're like, okay, this is obvious. You know, Trevor's going to make that jump. Then we started asking ourselves, like, why are we comparing Trevor to these quarterbacks? Maybe he's not on the same level. And then funny enough, he must have heard us because week two and week three, he is on that level. He is taking that jump. He's getting the ball out way faster. And I think that's the biggest improvement I've seen since week one. The Jaguars quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, the offensive line, they haven't given up a sack in two weeks. Wow. I just see, I see the decision making much quicker. For Trevor, I think, again, that's a credit to the coaching staff to, to scheme up plays that are open quicker for Trevor. But now I'm at the point where, yeah, Trevor can make that jump in. And I never think there was a doubt that he wasn't going to be the franchise quarterback here. But we all knew he had to play better this year. He led the league in interceptions last year. He's only thrown one so far this year. So, yeah, it's a huge improvement. And the Jaguars needed that to be relevant, right? They needed Trevor Lawrence to play better. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't realize they hadn't allowed a sack in two weeks. Yeah. The Eagles had nine last week, so that would be an That's a good matchup. Yeah, it makes it even more interesting, right? That's like, going to be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ashlyn Sullivan, Jaguars.com, who does a great job, of course, has a podcast over there as well. How about this backfield, though? Because Trevor Lawrence is playing at a high level. It helps when you have this one-two punch of a James Robinson, who's kind of a between-the-tackles bruiser running style and then you have travis etienne who's a more of a slasher he could catch the ball he can be moved around do a lot of different things uh this is one of the better one two running back tandems around the league i believe oh yeah it, it absolutely is and we're seeing a huge success for james robinson we talk about if it's not trevor as the biggest success story so far in jacksonville it's james robinson coming off that torn achilles just nine months ago and rushing for a 50-yard touchdown last week that was so cool for everyone to see for James because we all know how hard he worked to get back on the field. And I think it's interesting. We're so used in Jacksonville to the offense being a true running style first offense. And I think we're figuring out with Doug Peterson that that's not what this offense is going to be. It's going to be a compliment to the passing game, this, this running back group, but it's not going to be the one all be all. And I think we're really used in Jacksonville to, to hang in our hats on, on the running backs being successful. So I think that helps James Robinson even more so when you have a passing game that can really complement. That's the buzzword always. And when you talk to any offensive guy is complement each other. And I think we're really seeing that these first three weeks. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of similarities to the way Doug uh, Peterson constructed his team in Philadelphia, doing a lot of that in Jacksonville. And Ashlyn Sullivan's been so kind enough to join us here in the middle of a hurricane season to talk about it. Uh, let's switch it up to the defensive side because you guys have added some um, blue chippers in the draft. You've done pretty well adding some impact players. There was, you know, a little controversy or, you know, people uh, talked about the Trayvon Walker selection two years ago. And then uh, this Devin Lloyd 
is like shot out of a cannon. I think he had uh, 14 tackles last week and has suddenly made himself an impact player on this defense as well. Oh, yeah. Trayvon Walker and, and Devin Lloyd, we talk about our way ahead of schedule of where we expected them to be. We knew they were first round draft picks. We knew they were going to be starters and we knew, knew they would be impactful players, but they are they're progressing way quicker than we expected, you know, especially for Trayvon Walker. He was the star of that Washington Commanders week one um, all over the statue. And then Devin Lloyd comes week two and week three. And he says, don't forget about me. Um, so I, I think this this defensive draft especially is going to really help the Jaguars. I think it gives them more options. It takes the pressure off Josh Allen, especially as well. Last year, it was only Josh Allen. So he would get double teamed almost every single play. Now we're seeing Josh Allen has the potential to be a great player as well this year. So it was clear what the Jaguars needs were. General manager Trent Falke knew that he went after it. And now we're seeing the success of that. Yeah. They're getting back towards that Saxonville days where they had a lot of success getting after the quarterback and, Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, 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 I'm not watching every single play of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it, it looks like Trayvon Walker is kind of being moved around inside, outside. Are they standing him up? Is he more hand in the dirt? Like what, what kind of role are we going to see him more on one side or did he, are they moving him around a lot? His main role is to be opposite Josh Allen as a true outside linebacker. That's primarily where you'll see him. And that's where it's funny. We were talking about the Trayvon Walker effect outside linebackers. Coach Bill Shuey calls it. We were going to ask, you know, now that Trayvon Walker's on tape and teams have to plan for him, when will we start seeing the shift where the offensive linemen go to Trayvon's side instead of Josh Allen's side? And sure enough, we saw that week three. We already saw the impact of just – Trayvon Walker, just being on the field, you have to account for him. So that's what I was talking about, where Josh Allen is now freed up. They move him around a little bit, but the big, I don't want to call it a knock on Trayvon out of the draft, but he didn't really have one sole position at Georgia. And that was something he was really looking forward to, is he just wanted to have one job and really succeed at it. That Georgia defense might be all-time college football. So they didn't have to put him at one spot. But I think here with the Jaguars, you can expect him to, to stay in that outside linebacker role. And, and he just wants to get the reps as much as possible there. Yeah, it's a different role than what he played at Georgia. But kudos to Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville for identifying the traits mm -hmm. and having a role designated. Because I remember a guy like Isaiah Simmons coming out of Clemson. I think he went to the Cardinals. They said, oh, he could play so many different positions. He's so good. And then and it, they didn't really have a game plan for him. They didn't have a specific right. role, and he kind of right. got lost in the mix. So, uh, again, back to the coaching, right? Hey, we have a right. role. We've identified those traits. And one last guy I want to ask you about, because I covered him extensively uh, coming out of college, is Andre, Andre Cisco. This yeah. guy is all rocked up, jacked up. Um, and he's finally he's healthy and he's making plays from what I've seen in the in, in the box score at least. Yes, he is one of our favorites. I'm such an easy guy to root for, and especially last year, this was a guy that was really fighting for playing time. And we go back to that old coaching staff where I don't know if they didn't see the potential in him or what, but we were always so confused because we always thought Andre Cisco is one of your best players on defense. Why isn't he on the field more? Well, sure enough, now he's on the field almost every single play, and we're seeing him progress. And, and like a rookie in, in any sport, he just needed the reps. And I think we're seeing every game, the game slows down for him a little bit more. Very similar to cornerback Tyson Campbell. You're seeing every single week they get a little more comfortable. Andre Sisco already playing so well. I'm so curious to see where he's at week 10, week 12, 12 if he keeps this progression up. Yeah, Tyson Campbell, another bulldog, I believe. I yeah. uh, forgot about him. So uh, Ashlyn Sullivan here, so kind enough to join us. Ashlyn, uh, you got some love in the chat room. They love your work. 
What can people find over at jaguars.com? What do you got on the horizon this week? Yeah, I still will say this week's a little slow. We're actually not working Thursday and Friday. They'll keep the team here and we will go home and get ready for this hurricane. But sure. we will be back on Jaguars.com on Saturday and Sunday for all this game coverage. And, and man, we're, we're excited. We're fired up for this game. We have a ton of Jaguars fans coming. All of a sudden, everyone wants tickets to this game. They weren't calling two weeks ago. Now they're right. calling. So this is at least from Jacksonville's viewpoint, this is a very big game and, and a very true test of, of where this Jaguars team is right now. Outstanding. Well, if you need any uh, food recommendations while you're oh, in yeah. town, don't hesitate to reach out. And uh, I do believe you are a Florida Gator alumni, yes. correct? Yes, loud and proud, yes. I, I, I know you're very busy these days. Have you kept uh, kept up with the team at all? Because there's a quarterback down there by the name of Anthony Richardson that is on the NFL radar. Can you tell us anything that you know about that young man? Oh, my gosh. So I went to the first game. I went to the Utah game. We had the day off, and I made the drive to Gainesville. Gainesville's only an hour away from Jacksonville, so I love that. Um, and, and that was lights out. The Gators were phenomenal. And then all of a sudden I hear, you know, college game day, and ESPN singing the praises of how Anthony Richardson is a locked number one pick, and the Gators are going to the playoffs and college football. And and I, I just thought it was a little too soon. And then sure enough, we saw that it was a little too soon. This team okay. has some building to do under new coach Billy Napier, but I think they have the right coach which is huge. They have the right quarterback. I just think he needs more reps. But I think brighter day, days are ahead for the Gators, which is always a good thing. Yeah, he flashes a lot of potential there. Yeah. It's just a matter of putting it together, much like Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence had exactly. to do. So. Young guys uh, that just need reps, yep. Yeah, Ashlyn, again, I can't thank you enough. This was an enlightening conversation. Uh, maybe uh, when the Jaguars are down in the playoffs, uh, we can have you back in the winter time. But in the meantime, please do – Buckle up, stay safe, safe travels to Philly. We hope for nothing but the best. And uh, thanks again for hopping on the football. Absolutely. Team. Thank you so much for having me. Talk soon. All right. There you go. Uh, Ashlyn Sullivan, great job from uh, Jaguars.com. Go check out her work. Uh, and they're getting ready for Hurricane Ian, who is uh, wreaking havoc already in the Key West, I think, is, is flooding. I told you they knocked out all the power on the entire island of Puerto Rico and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers move their practice across uh, to the other coast of, of Miami. So Jacksonville is going to try to weather the storm, uh, try to keep their normal travel arrangements. And, hey, uh, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, it's just a, a an X factor that the Jaguars are dealing with that the Eagles don't have to worry about. You know, they have families at home. They got to worry about taking care of their loved ones, making sure everybody's safe and secure. Philadelphia Eagles aren't worrying about any of that. So, you know, in the National Football League, everybody's looking for an edge. Not that the Eagles wanted an edge this way, but it's just another variable that comes into the equation. So I know uh, our good friend, Glenn Irby, Eagles Newswire at USA Today has been waiting patiently for us in the uh, green room. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll pick Glenn's brain on this Eagles-Jaguars matchup. It's the football playbook coming right back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. at it again it's tfb with ric here on this wednesday september 28th you out there in the chat room watching live on jacob sports youtube channel make sure you click subscribe get all our show notifications 12 hours a day of live programming your home for real eagles talk of course around the league nfl style and uh it's all brought to you by ocean casino resorts your home for eagles pre and post game if you like the show buckle up hit the like button show your boys some love and uh, we keep the train rolling here on the football playbook. We just heard from Ashlyn Sullivan from Jaguars.com, uh, getting our finger on the pulse when it comes to your Jacksonville Jaguars. And we have our regular Wednesday guest, who's got the herb, Glenn Irby from uh, Eagles <laughs> USA Today, joining us here on the football playbook. Uh, Glenn, how are you today, brother? Bless, Rick. Good morning. How you feeling? I'm doing good, man. I'm feeling excited for this Jaguars Eagles game. Eagles game. I don't think anybody at the start of the season thought this was going to be a big time affair. Our previous guest Ashlyn said some people are asking for this game to be flexed into the Sunday night game, which isn't a bad thought. I know the Eagles are on prime time. They've already had one game. I think they got four more on prime time. Correct. That would make it six. But you know, color me crazy. 
Glenn. I see people in the chat room. There's a couple people that are thinking about booing Doug Peterson. I'm on the record saying this man is going to get a standing ovation. What kind of reception is Dougie P going to get from the Philadelphia uh, fan base? Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think you'll have a jerk or two who may try to boo or pause the scene, but the man won a Super Bowl. He went to the playoffs every year, except, you know, his last year there. So, I mean, I think this is standing ovation. Much respect for the one guy, you know, who, who brought the Lombardi Trophy to Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree with you. It'd be uh, be hard-pressed to boo somebody like that. Now, the Boo Birds were out this past week in D.C. They took over to FedEx Field uh, from the gate, from the early on, from the player introductions. They showered uh, our friend Carson Wentz with boos before. During halftime, they booed him off the field. After the game, Jalen Hurts said it felt like a home crowd. That's just another advantage these Eagles have on the road. The tr- the fans travel well. For sure. I mean, they take over stadiums, whether it be East Coast, West Coast. Eagles are one of the two fan bases that, that literally will take over your home stadium. So I think, you know, that was an awesome thing to see. Um, it helped the players, definitely helped Sirianni, you know, Hassan Reddick. You know, every guy, guy after guy kept talking about it was a home game. You know, it felt like a home game. By the time the second and third quarter, all you could see was, you know, green and the lower vials, upper vials. So it was an awesome experience. Yeah, I mean, what what gets better than that? And, you know, we're going to talk about this upcoming matchup with two ascending quarterbacks and Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence. They're playing lights out. On the opposite end of the spectrum is Carson Wentz, who's on his third team in three years. And I believe that the commanders are going to come to realization what the Eagles and the Colts discovered. I think Carson Wentz starting quarterback days in the NFL are are numbered here. And they did draft Sam Howell there in the third round at one time considered a potential first round pick. He's drawn some kind of Baker Mayfield comparisons a little bit, uh, the, the 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 commanders are back in Philly week 10. Do you believe Carson Wentz will or won't be the starting quarterback when they see him again? He'll be the starter. I remember we talked up two weeks ago and I said, you know, or last week, one of the, one of the games he plays, he's going to play well. So he could play well in Philadelphia. I, I, I think it's just a situation where he has the tools. You see moments where he makes big throws and then you see moments where he simply – won't take the check down or the layup, you know, as you hear some people say. So it's a frustrating thing. It's a frustrating thing to watch. You know, I was on the Wentz bandwagon. I was a Wentz apologist for a long time. But to see him not be able to get rid of the ball, not throw the ball out of bounds, not take the check down, it can be infuriating at times. So, I mean, we've seen some Sam Howell during the preseason. I'm not sure if he'll he'll play the game in Philly. But, you know, if they continue to spiral, you'll see a change in quarterback for sure. Yeah, week 10 might be too early for Howell time, but I do think once they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, I do think Sam Howell will get at least a, a couple games to audition just to find out what they got because, Correct. you know, Taylor yeah. Heineke. Taylor Heineke yeah. is just a, a cheaper version of Carson Wentz, right? <laughs> At times, but, I mean, you have to let Howell play. You know, you have a loaded quarterback group in the 2023 class. They'll probably have a high pick. So, at that point, you, you give Howell, you know, five or six games to see if the former North Carolina kid is the guy or you go get a whole new quarterback room altogether. All right, let's talk about these quarterbacks in this week's matchup. Jaguars, Eagles, uh, Hertz was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week last week. Trevor Lawrence, I think, announced just this morning the AFC Offensive uh, Player of the Week this week. Two guys that have really just shown great improvements. Uh, Let's start with our own backyard in in Jalen. 
I mean, Shane Steichen had nothing but kudos and praise in his press conference that we can't we can't get him out of the building. You know, I'm 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 up here 4 a.m. He's in the weight room. He's I'm leaving eight o'clock in the building. He's popping by my office saying hello. Uh, he said all he thinks about is football. And you know, I I stated in the opening of the show. There's still some of our media brethren who don't want to believe that Jalen is the guy. So they had to follow up and say, well, what about his actual mechanics and his in-game throwing? What do you see from there? And it's, again, it's a, a quicker release. It's processing faster. It's getting the game reps and experience. And here we are. I mean, what, what, uh, what week, Glenn, are we going to stop with the debate as to whether Jalen is – or isn't a franchise quarterback, or is it just never going to go away until he gets that big money contract? I think from a local media standpoint, it'll probably never go away. You know, quarterback controversy sell, quarterback uh, indecision sell. So from that standpoint, it'll be a constant conversation. I think, you know, when when the Eagles clinch the division, postseason, certain things like that, probably the contract. When he gets the contract at that point, it'll stop, and then you'll have some discussion whether or not he should have gotten the contract, whether it was a good thing, whether it, you know, whether it would tie the Eagles' hands. So I think in Philadelphia, conversation about the quarterback, the backup sells, and that's just what we do. No doubt about it. Glenn Irby from the Eagles Newswire here on the Football Playbook. So, you know, when it comes to money situations, I, I understand the Eagles are projected to be about $35 million under the cap, They've got about 11 starters and three or four key role players that they're going to have to resign. Miles Sanders being one of them. And we've seen, you know, guy right in division, you know, you, you take a running back high or you pay them big money, whether it's Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, you might get some good play, but you pay for it when it comes to the salary cap. How do you, it's a two part question. How do you like the running back by committee that they're implementing? And can you justify giving Miles Sanders a Chase Edmonds-like contract, six to eight million per season, if he continues to play just fifty percent of the snaps? I mean, we talked about that before. The fifty percent, I think, is to to ensure that you have him later in the season. So if that's the case, I'm fine with that. I think you know, as we stuck, we discussed. Six or seven million is the going rate. He's a talented running back. I feel like if you put him on another roster and he got featured and got his 20 carries a game, he'd probably be a 1,200 yard back. So I feel like if he can stay healthy, do the things he needs to do with the reduced snaps, I see no problem with giving him the deal. Now, if you want a running back and you feel like you want a running back that can do it all with two picks this year, you let Miles walk, you let Boston Scott walk, and you you set, you set yourself up to be able to get B. John Robinson from Texas. And then you, you go from there. So I, I think there are options at the running back position. I think with the league's top offensive line, you always have options. So I think that's the key. As long as offensive line is healthy, as long as they're blocking, you can always do it by the committee approach. And you can definitely do the committee approach because Hurts makes things easier for every, all three running backs behind. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Glenn, because I, okay. uh, I saw something this morning. Some players who might be on the trade block. And one of the things, if I have any uh, frustrations with this Eagles team, there's not many of them, but every now and then they'll get this short yardage situation and they put Boston Scott back there to pick up the tough yard. Now I get it. He's a tough runner. Don't get me wrong, but not ideal, right? He's not, you know, Howard or, or one of these bigger backs. Rashard Penny is a guy that could potentially be had. The Seahawks just used a high round pick on, uh, Kenneth Walker to third. 
Seattle's going nowhere fast. It's only a matter of time until they're out of contention. We've seen the Eagles make a move like Ajay Ajay, I think, was in season, get that bigger back. They don't currently have one. Is that something you consider or entertain if you can pry a Rashad Penny from Seattle? I think for a late round pick, you entertain it. But I think in terms of a mid, second, third, fourth round pick, no. I think you have Trey Sermon on the roster. I think he's still learning, changed Titans offense. That's the reason why he hasn't played. But I think at some point you'll see him play because Boston's got us actually seeing his snaps dwindle. So I think, you know, you have Sanders getting the ball for the reps. You'll have Gangwell being the dual threat. I think at some point, once Sermon picks up the Eagles offense and he knows what he's doing from a blitz protection standpoint, you'll see him get more snaps. You may see a situation where Boston Scott now becomes inactive and Sermon becomes the big back. But I can also see with the proper, with the late round picking things like that, picking up Penny as well. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting uh, name that, that might be available. And I agree. If you can get him for a day three pick, why not? Um, you know, create some depth. If there's one criticism on the offense, I guess it's having a bigger running back and then, you know, tight end depth. You could still, you know, Calcaterra, we finally saw last week. Looks like he's up to speed now. We saw Jack Stoll even make a catch or two. I think they're okay for the time being now at the tight end position, right? For sure. I think Calcaterra Cal- Cal- is pretty good. Stoll's a good inline blocker. He can catch as well. And don't forget, I think in the next four or five weeks, depending on how his knee heals, Tyree Jackson will return as well. So you have a, a very athletic tight end there as well. So from a tight end standpoint, they're fine. I don't, I don't see them making any moves. Yeah, Tyree ja- Jackson is kind of like a forgotten man. What What is the timeline for his return? Do we know? I know it was an ACL, so I know he's put on the PUP list, so that means he was going to miss the first six weeks. I think depending on how things go, you'll see a week eight. The buys around week seven, so I think we'll start to look at that point. But around week eight or nine, you possibly could see him come back, and then you'll have a situation where you have four tight ends, and who knows who plays. But, I mean, tight, tight end is a strength. And when Jackson gets back, it'll definitely be a strength. Fair enough. All right, I'm going to pick your brain on the uh, defensive matchup in a second here, but uh, – some interesting comments with Devonta Smith, who we saw back there return a punt in the first half. Uh, Covey, they're calling him the crash test dummy. He had one muff. He had some really violent collisions. I think they've exhausted the amount of times they can call up Covey now from game day. Correct. Has a decision been made on him? What do you anticipate there? You mentioned Trey Sermon is still on the 53-man roster. If they elevate Covey, I guess they got to drop somebody down or cut somebody. Have, have you heard anything in terms of what they're going to do there? Haven't heard anything, but I think in terms of that situation, at Kobe would make the fifth wide receiver. So I think you could see an offensive lineman um, get released maybe or get put on the practice squad. You could see movement at linebacker. I think you have options. You have Josh Job. Josh Job hasn't taken a snap at corner. So it could be a situation where he's listed as an active or he's placed on the practice squad. So you have options. I think Devontae Smith it's just one of those things where when you want to spark or you want a good return, you know, a lot of teams have one of their best offensive players, especially the best offensive player with great hands go back there. But I think for Kobe, it's just about catching the ball. You know, we've, we've gone through so many situations where we didn't get good punt returns, but we had fumbles. So I think I think they like him from the standpoint that it, sort of the fumble, he catches everything around him. So I think you'll see a situation where he signs to the roster and they'll continue to make moves that way. Glenn Irby, Eagles Newswire USA Today here on the Football Playbook with Rick Saratella breaking it down, chopping it up. Let's talk some defense because the Jaguars 
uh, offensive line. I wasn't aware of this until Ashland just told me last segment. They haven't allowed a sack in two weeks, Glenn. The, the Eagles are had a party in the backfield last week with nine. How does this matchup break down? Who who has the advantage here, do you think? Oh, Philadelphia definitely does. I think Doug Peterson has done a good job of having Trevor Lawrence get the ball out quicker. I think James Robinson as a running back, that, that alleviates some stress as well. But I think you'll be able to see Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave get a great push up the middle. So I think from that standpoint, the plan will be to pressure Trevor Lawrence up the middle have him roll left or right. And at that point, you have Hassan Reddy, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, and the defensive guys cleaning things up. So I think from that standpoint, the Eagles defensive line definitely has the advantage. Yeah, and it makes sense, right? Because Trevor Lawrence kind of had a shaky week one. Then he had great protection in week two and week three, and he's picking apart defenses. Correct. So I wonder, you know, Jonathan Gannon, week one, we saw 16% pressure. This past week, we saw 36% pressure. Week two was against Kirk Cousins was somewhere in the middle. And we saw Cousins and Wentz make poor decisions because of the pressure. Gannon in his press conference yesterday said, hey, every game is going to be a different approach. We're going to take it as it comes. Now, they didn't really – they just kind of stood with the four-man rush for most of the game, but they applied a lot of pressure – do you see more of the same? Do you see Gannon dialing it back a little because of Trevor Lawrence? Or what is going to be the uh, attack philosophy in terms of the defensive approach? I think the approach is simple in the way you see it against the commanders. I think you'll see the four-man rush. Trevor Lawrence is an athletic young man despite his, his pocket presence. So I think you don't want to allow him to escape, you know, or escape through rushing lanes and things like that. So I think you'll see a situation where you the four-man rush – because of Doug Peterson and Press Taylor in Jacksonville, they play a lot of 12 personnel, so they'll be playing a lot of two tight end sets, so there's really no reason to blitz anyway. So I think from that standpoint, you play your four-man rush, you have Kaiser White, you have C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you have all the things you need in the back you know, to stop the big play. So I think from that standpoint, he'll have them play back some, like you said, keep everything in front of him, and get the pressure with the four guys he got going out. All right. And, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox is a guy. Uh, Brandon Graham is another veteran on this team. They've taken less snaps. We talked about Miles Sanders on offense. Correct. You guys that are playing probably the fewest amount of snaps in their career, if I had to guess. You all right. Um, Brandon Graham, I think, barely played about 30% of the snaps, and he was your NFC Defensive Player of the Week. But Gannon said Cox is the ultimate team competitor. He understands his role, which may not have been the situation last year. Correct. But their main goal is just to put him in a mismatch situation, and they're kind of picking and choosing their spots with the Fletcher Cox, and he seems to be okay with that. Uh, I think it works. I think you have a situation where in the NFL, offensive lines don't rotate. So if you have a situation where – and that's what Gannon has. He has the the three pass rushers – the four or five defensive tackles, they all get about 20, 25 snaps a game. So if you can literally run an offensive line out of the game, why not have that as you know as that as that as, as your scheme? So you you play Cox 25 snaps a game, you play Brandon Graham 25 snaps a game, Jordan Davis gets 25. But Gannon's been doing a good job of making sure, okay, well, this is a, a running down, you put the proper personnel in for running downs. This is a, a obvious passing down, you put the proper personnel, and it's been working. 
So that's that's a sign of great efficiency. I mean, if you can, Brandon Grant played 25 snaps, I think, and had five tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, six tackles. That's just, no, correct. That's pretty good. Uh, No, I like what they're doing, and it's the luxury of having the depth, especially inside the trenches on that defensive front. I I think it all starts up front, but, you know, Gannon did make an interesting point. He said when you have that back-end coverage – the way Maddox and Bradbury and and Slay are playing, he said it allows you to kind of call a different game, especially when you have a lead. You can do a lot of different things, he said. And, you know, I think we're kind of seeing um, some versatility from the defense. But have you noticed a different approach from in-game adjustments from Gannon? Because I think that was a criticism from last year, and something I kind of heard on the Jacob Sports Network brought up again is how will Gannon adapt in game? Is that something that you've been noticing? Is it improved? Is it something that we're still kind of gauging? What is your thought process there? I think it's improved. I think you have to take into the fact that the offense has improved. So when you're sitting there up 24 points on the team, obviously you know you're going to pass. So it makes it easier to call defensive schemes. It makes it easier to call defensive plays. You have Slay. Avante Maddox, James Bradbury, Epps, Gardner Johnson on the back end. So quarterbacks are going to hold the ball more. There's no obvious holes in the secondary. Kazir White is active at linebacker. There's no obvious holes at linebacker anymore. So I think from that standpoint, he's able to maybe in the beginning be a little more aggressive once he gets to lead. He may take his foot off the gas slightly, and I think that's where you get the, the criticism from where late in games they start to give up yards or things like that. But I think from a standpoint, his back seven has improved so much, he can really call any type of game he wants. It's impressive, especially when you have a mix-and-match combination. Bradbury, Slay, you know, I'm curious. You know, we, we asked you last week about – Slay and the last couple of weeks, even going back to the Vikings with Justin Jefferson, you want to try to get Slay on the best receiver as often as possible. I'm not sure there is a number one receiver on this Jaguars team because, like, it could be Christian Kirk one week, it could be Zay Jones another week. Uh, you got to account for Travis Etienne too as a pass catcher. But are you more concerned with Slay following around Kirk, or are you going to just kind of let those? matchups naturally uh, uh, take place and if it's Bradbury on uh, Kirk or or Slay on uh, Jones does it really matter or how you how do you think they're going to approach that situation no I don't think it matters I think it's a situation where you let it play out now Kirk's the guy to watch if he starts to go off a little bit he's he's, he's athletic he's fast he's shifty so if he starts to make plays you could see a situation where that becomes Slay's primary shadow but from a, from the standpoint of Letting them play, I think you just let them play. Bradbury's been just as impactful as Slay. He's got the most passes defended since 2016. Slay has the most passes defended overall since 2013. So I think from that standpoint, you let them play. If Kirk starts to get off, then you make adjustments. But other than that, you just you just do what you do. Okay. And uh, I know you got a lot of uh, content going on at the Eagles Newswire, doing what you do over there at USA Today. Uh, what do you got cooking with the gasoline over there? Where can fans find you? What what can they read up on over there? Uh, you can find me at the Eagles Wire, usatoday.com. You can find me on Twitter at the Cover 2 NFL. This week is just about, you know, welcoming Doug Peterson back, trying to figure out where the Eagles fit 
in the NFL hierarchy? Are they the best team? Are they really, are they three and old because they haven't played anybody? So, I mean, you hear different things. You'll have fans say, slow down. They're not the best. They haven't played anyone. When you've got teams like the Raiders who are high powered, other teams who are over three. So I think at this point, it's just about living in the moment, enjoying things, soaking it up. And then it'll mostly be about Doug Peterson talking about Trevor Lawrence progression. Uh, Jags got three amazing linebackers. I mean, people are talking about them, but you have Trayvon Walker, you have Evan Lloyd, who was, you know, considered an Eagles prospect. You know, you have uh, Josh Allen. So I think from that standpoint, it'll be about talking about those three and what they bring to the Jacksonville defense as well. Yeah, they're stacking some blue chippers on, on, on that defense. And uh, just for the record, Glenn is on record of saying Dougie P is going to get a standing O. And you mentioned the NFL hierarchy. Let's just stay in the NFC real quick here. Where are the Eagles in the Glenn Irby hierarchy in the NFC rankings? Are they one? Are they two? Are they four? Where do you have the Eagles right now? I'll put them at two. I mean, I think you have to beat the Rams to beat a man. So, you know, you still have the Rams. But I think at this point, they're the second best team in the NFC. Okay, fair enough. And then uh, before we let you go, we uh, probably won't talk to you again until next week. So give us that uh, Jaguars-Eagles prediction. Was tempted to pick the Jaguars in an upset on the road. I don't, you know, every, you don't win every game, but I think the Eagles are rolling. Hurts is rolling. Doug Peterson's coming back. The message is being sent over the last two weeks. Eagles 28-21 in the close. All right. There you have it. Uh, always appreciate the time, Glenn. Appreciate you. Really. Thank you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Keep on chopping it up, breaking it down with Glenn Irby of the Eagles Newswire. Great stuff and insight out of him. As always, make sure you go check out the website and – you know, listen, you just heard Ashlyn Sullivan, who works uh, for the Jaguars, say they're going to have off Thursday and Friday as a team. And they're going to go take care of their families. They're going to prepare for this storm. A little bit of a wrinkle in the game planning for this upcoming Jaguars game. Because I I agree with Glenn. I think this is is very well could be a trap game. Could very well be a trap game where, you know, this team is better than what people are giving them credit for. However, you know, you take a couple days off, you're in Philadelphia, the storm is going to come, I think, Friday or Saturday, and you're going to be playing a game on Sunday. You know, it's just the the human element that you've got to account for in this great game of football. And uh, the human element of the great folks in the chat room, I see you all hanging out there, Jeremiah, Robert, John, uh, Bernie, you know, if you guys can show your boys some love, hit the like button. It's all brought to you by Ocean Casino and Resorts. Your home for the Eagles pre and post game. The football playbook is your home for real Eagles talk. Uh, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern every day on the Jacob Sports Channel. So hit the like button, click subscribe. And when we come back, we have the one, the only Kayla Santiago will check in and give us her Eagles take from the past week and preview the upcoming week right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. playbook with rick saratella dropping the hammer on him here getting predictions down there in the chat room thanks for all the love and support Hit, smash the like button and uh show your boys some love here as we count you down here dougie p week breaking it down all week long we had austin lane yesterday ashlyn sullivan today uh we're gonna have tony baselli on friday maybe jimmy smith as well as we uh, rotate some jaguars in here but uh we are Eagles Talk, and here to do it each and every Wednesday is Kayla Santiago of Delmarva Sports joining us here on the Football Playbook. Good morning, Kayla. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Well, we're soaring. We're riding <laughs> high. Uh, one of two teams left in the NFL that are undefeated. Who would have thunk it? And um, shout out to uh, Joe Eagle in the, in the in the chat room saying a lot of comparisons between the Dolphins and the Eagles, the two undefeated teams. Oh, by the way, Tua listed as limited big time Thursday night football matchup. We'll talk more about tomorrow with the Dolphins and the Bengals, but Jalen Hurts is that guy again. And uh, a lot of naysayers still don't want to believe it, uh, but he's just distributing the ball. We talked about getting Devonta Smith involved. Well, it, it was his turn to feast this week, career high, 169 receiving yards. I heard uh, Nick Sariani yesterday on a one-on-one show with Dave Spadaro and they were talking about uh, 
because Coach Sariana used to be a wide receiver back in the day. Uh, they were talking about Devonta Smith, his natural, uh, just the way he can torque his body and adapt to bad balls thrown in the air. It's not something that you can just teach. It's more of an athletic trait, like either you have it or you don't. And we've seen it from these Alabama wide receivers. They're just rare breeds. But we saw firsthand why there are no uh, Robins on this team. They are all Batmans. And every week it could be a different uh, cast of characters. Yeah, I mean, we saw that a season ago, right? You saw glimpses of Jalen Hurts and that Devontae Smith connection. And year two going into that, now having A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith being able to play that number two guy role and stepping up when he needs to, it's exciting. I mean, it was only week three to be able to see him finally get involved in the offense and really have some good yardage, help my fantasy team out a lot as well, give me 30 points in fantasy, so I was all for it. But really, I mean, I love seeing him get involved. He is such a fun player to watch. He can create so much in space. He's so speedy and so quick, especially over the top. And once again, I mean, I think you have these threats of wide receivers. You have to utilize them each and every week. And I think they're starting to do that better and better as every single day goes on. Yeah, and Coach, you know, offensive coordinator uh, Shane Steichen said it's the camaraderie, it's the experience, it's the work mm -hmm. they're putting in in the film room, staying after on the field, building that chemistry. And something else that Coach Sariani said is they're having fun while they're doing it. And uh, I thought it was interesting because Sariani was so locked into the game. I think when it got to like 17 nothing, we saw the Batman cape come out on the sidelines. <laughs> and Coach Sariani said he had no idea. He didn't even know that was happening. But he said uh, he got wind of it post-game. And on the bus ride home, they had a lot of fun. Uh, all the different receivers were taking turns wearing the Batman cape. So it's it's just great to see, you know, when you're winning, it obviously helps. But the chemistry, the camaraderie, it all starts with Hurts, though, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's what it's all about. And, you know, any team can have a lot of talent. But when you're able to utilize that talent and also have a really good chemistry and have fun out there and just completely ball out, that is really going to help this team make that extra point. And I think Jalen Hurts makes it a point to go make relationships with every single player, whether it's the defensive back rooms, whether it's the secondary, whether it's the offense, the defensive line. You can see him trying to make those relationships. It's not just about, oh, well, he's going to make that relationship with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. It's about everybody. And I think you can see that at least for the first three weeks on the field. No, Jalen just gets it, right? He just mm -hmm. gets it. Like, you know, what they say, what is it? The it factor. It's Jalen Hurts, you know? <laughs> it's understanding that, like, hey, I'm not just going to come in, punch my time card, go home, punch it out. Like, no, I'm going to spend time with you. I want to learn about your family. I want to know about, you know, what you're doing off the field. Hey, come on over. Like, whether it's a player or a coach, we, we heard uh, – Sariani say like Steichen and Hertz are boys off the field. Like they hang out and uh, they can't get rid of this guy. Like he's in the facility <laughs> at 4 a.m. He's at, he's there at 8 p.m. Uh, all he talks about and wants is football, football, football. I just find it hard to believe, you know, Glenn Irby was on before you. He said in terms of locally, the whole Jalen Hurts contract situation, the debate whether he is or isn't a franchise quarterback, he said, is never going to go away. Even when he signs the contract, yeah. people are going to be debating if it was a good deal, a bad deal. And I, I tend to agree at this point, based on what Jalen Hurts has done and still based on the non-believers out there, 
this is just a topic that you're always going to have people on either side of the fence. Is, is, is that what you're sensing as well? Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with also him playing in Philadelphia, just because the expectations of playing for a city like the city of Brotherly Love. But listen, I think Jalen Hurts, I said this the other day, he has so much pressure on him for really only being in his second full year as a quarterback. I mean, the expectations that he has to be able to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league, it seems like at this point, is absolutely crazy to me. But once again, he's not letting that dwell on him at all. He's going to try to live up to that expectation. And he just gets Philadelphia. And that's what's so exciting to watch because you see a lot of players come into this town and sometimes they just don't get it. It's a blue-collar mentality. You have to work for every little thing you have. Jalen Hurts wasn't projected to be the Eagles franchise quarterback. If everybody remembers, people weren't happy when he was drafted because Carson Wentz was that franchise guy at the time. But he has completely lived up to everything that he's needed to. He's going to have bad games. They're going to lose a game this year. That's going to happen. I'm sure people are going to be like, we don't want Jalen Hurts anymore. He's not the franchise guy. They're going to go back to that. But I think that conversation never leaves just because of the city that he plays in and the expectations that he has this year, for sure. I remember they booed Donovan McNabb, too. And, you know, <laughs> at a certain point, it, it stopped. I think Hurts needs to perform well in the playoffs, as, as somebody in the chat room suggested. Hey, Rick, come see me come playoff time. And you're right. If they go one and done again, it's this season is going to be viewed as a huge disappointment. It doesn't matter how many regular season wins they have. It's going to matter how many postseason W's they can put on the board. Uh, we're talking to Kayla Santiago, Delmarva Sports. You know, Steichen also said um, it was a huge step for the offense to be able to lean on the passing game. And he was asked, you know, is that predetermined going into the week? How do you kind of game plan uh, for each opponent? And a little, he said it's a little bit of preparation, but it's also predicated on the flow of the game. He said, this game, it just happened that Hertz was in his zone. He was feeling it. He was making audibles at the line of scrimmage that was make like Hertz would audible. And he'd said, I was fired up because he's making the absolute right call. Now they only averaged, I think, like 2.8, 2.6 yards per carry. You can't lead the, the, the league in rushing every week. But it was somewhat of a step back for the run game. I think they only picked up three first downs on the ground, 16 through the air. Is that something that you're concerned about, you reassess, or just kind of happened to be the way that game flowed? Not at all, and I say that because Washington coming in, their rush defense didn't look great in the first two weeks. And I think that was their game plan to stop the run. I think knowing that the Eagles have a very mobile quarterback, knowing the rotation of the three running back that the Birds have, I think that was their game plan to stop the run game. But I don't think they thought for a second that the Eagles would be able to get so many points and so much success throughout the air. And I think that's where you look at Jalen Hurts and you say, He's smart, and that's football IQ right there because he realized something's not working. He realized the defense of the commanders and their game plan is to come in and stop the run. So he's going to utilize his targets. He's going to get even more accurate and better in the passing game, and that was something good to see. Now, if the running game gets stopped this week again, then I think you worry about it a little bit. But honestly, I just think that was the commander's game plan coming in. I think that was their top priority, and I think the Eagles just surprised them in the passing game. Yeah, they had a stellar run defense, and Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, the Alabama boys up front, I mean, they are top of the line, I think, um, 
in terms of players at their position. Now, limits COD in the chat room makes a good point, something we've talked about on this show. You know, I think something crazy like 64 of the Eagles' 85 points this season have all occurred in the, in the second quarter. All 24 points in week three, ironically, came in the second quarter. I think in the first three games, they, they've only scored like 14 points in the second half. And I think we we can say we've seen it now in all three games where the second half, you know, we call it taking the foot off the gas. I don't know. You can call it playing a complete game, playing all four quarters. When they get to teams like the Jaguars, I'd put the, even the Cardinals coming up, Green Bay, Thanksgiving week, they're going to have to play a complete game. What is it, do you think, that the second half – they get up by all these points, and, you know, I think they closed out the Commanders pretty early. The other games, not so much. What's your take? Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest worry right now when you look at the schedule coming up, as you mentioned, the Jags, the Cardinals, and the Green Bay Packers, because those are teams that I don't think are going to go down as easy. Now, you look at the Eagles and you say, okay, well, do they think they had the game wrapped up in the first half and then they just rely on their defense to be able to close it out? And I think that's what we've been seeing, especially in week three. But I think things are going to change in week four because I think the Jaguars are a team that can definitely have a big second half. And it's the NFL. I mean, you can't overlook any team. You looked at the Dolphins and Ravens a few weeks ago. The Dolphins looked completely out of that game. And then all of a sudden we're able to have a huge second half and come back and win it. So if you're the Eagles right now, I think that's something you worry about a little bit. And I think that's something you have to work towards week four, week five, and week six, because they have quote unquote, an easy schedule, but coming up, they have teams that are extremely tough. And I think this is where you're going to see how long can the defense hold them out? How long can the defense really be on the field? And is Jalen Hurst going to get in a situation where he has to come up with big second half points and can he do it? I think that's going to be put to the test this week. And, you know, I agree with people that I think they need to play a complete game because it's not going to be every single week in the NFL that you're able to win a game in the first half. It's just not. Yeah, and I do think this game will be close. It opened at seven. I think it's already down to like six. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be closer than that. And we'll see if the Eagles rise to the occasion um, and, and, and elevate their play to the scoreboard. So let's talk about this Jaguars team, though, because – I had no idea they didn't allow a sack over the last two weeks. Uh, almost just as impressive is their ability to get to the quarterback, much like the Eagles. They've got two guys on the edge, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, and now this rookie, uh, Devin Lloyd, in the middle, man, in the middle. Glenn Irby just mentioned this is a hell of a, tribe, uh, a linebacker trio. The Eagles offensive line, though, they're pretty good, too. Uh, how do you kind of view the way this matchup? I will say it worries me a little bit for the pure fact that we know the quarterback that Jalen Hurts is. He's going to scramble. He's going to be able to get out of the pocket and run. And a lot of people, and we mentioned this, that sometimes that can lead to injury because he's so forceful out of the pocket. He's going to dive. He's going to put his body on the line. And against a line like this and linebackers like this and the edge rushers, that scares me a little bit because they're going to come in, they're going to be physical, and they're not going to want you to get that first down or any yards. So this game, I'm curious if they go to the error like they did against the commanders, just for the pure fact, you look at your running backs, are they even going to be able to get any ground? And are you trusting your offensive line to give you enough time to provide that throw to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, 
or Quez Watkins. So I'm curious what the Eagles game plan is going to be, to be honest with you, because I know they have had success in running the ball, but I think they're going to get stuffed this week. And I don't want to see Jalen Hurts run all over the field. That's just a cause for injury, in my opinion, in this week. So I'm expecting them to go in the air. And I think the offensive line, this is probably their biggest game of the year so far because you need to protect the guy in our center. You need to protect Jalen Hurts at all costs. And are they going to be able to do it against a very good front and linebackers? We're going to have to wait and see. But I think this is a big test for them this week. No, I agree with you. I think it is going to be their biggest challenge to date. And good point. Uh, this is not a team you want Hurts running around, yeah. taking a lot of hits, because these guys are fast, they're strong, and they're physical, and they get after it. And, you know, Allen and, and both Allen, you know, Allen's, I think, over 250, close to 260. Uh, Walker is like 240-ish maybe and, and is like a lightning out there. And, and we know Devin Lloyd came in at six foot one and, and 225 and, and laying the lumber out of Utah. So this, this Jaguars team, and we talked about Andre Cisco, one of my personal faces, this team is going to come out hitting. So I agree with you. I think you have to go into this game and try to limit the hits that Jalen Hurts does take. And he's got to be conscious of that and be aware that, you know what, maybe you shouldn't be taking off and running as much in this particular ball game. So, all right, let's, Flip the side inside the trenches, though. Eagles, big nine sack performance. Uh, I think it was like the most in 70 years. We, every week we have these historical feats, it seems like we're talking about. And then you have the Jaguars offensive line that, uh, as you know, Doug Peterson believes in building in the trenches. He's got his offensive line in Jacksonville playing at a very high level. I mentioned they haven't given up a sack in two weeks. Who's going to bend first in this matchup? I think that they get to Lawrence. I, I just think that um, – I don't think he's as mobile of a quarterback as Jalen Hurts. I think he can move a little bit, but I think if he gets caught and if there's any open hole and if that offensive line makes any little bit of mistake, the Eagles are going to come rushing. Now, do we see the blitz a lot more from this Eagles team? Do we see more of a John Gannon blitz set up to try to get to Trevor Lawrence going in, knowing what Doug Peterson's game plan is going to be and that he has been protected at all costs – I would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive on the line and be able to get to him a little bit more. Now, it's not going to be the same sack performance they had against Carson Wentz. I think a lot of people saw that coming. Just seeing how Wentz is as a quarterback and how he hesitates and tries to scramble and then really can't go anywhere, I think Trevor Lawrence is a little bit more grounded than that, and I think he has the coach to be able to do that. But I do think that John Gannon's game plan is going to be Let's blitz him a little bit more. The pressure needs to be on the QB. Let's not step back and just kind of sit in our heels. Let's go after him and see what we can do and put as much pressure on him as we can. And like I said, if the offensive line slips up even a little bit for this Jags team, I think Lawrence goes down. Yeah, it's going to be a different Trevor Lawrence than what we've seen, I think, in the past yeah. two weeks. Because when you're under duress and under pressure and have a defensive line rotation, I don't know this for a fact, I haven't done the, the 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 deep dive research on it, but I, I find it hard to believe there's another defensive line in the National Football League that can rotate as many quality players as the Eagles are bringing in and out. And we talked about Cox and Brandon Graham playing an all-time low snap count, but playing at an all-time high level. And then you got guys like, you know, um, Josh Sweat, who we barely even talk about on this show. He's just kind of... He was in there on a sack and in a big play last week, and he kind of just 
goes about his business. He was a Pro Bowl player. Um, you got so many different guys that can step up on that defensive front. And a lot of unsung heroes like Milton Williams, Marlon T., even Jordan Davis, you know, it, it's not a lot of reps, but he makes them count. And again, we talk about it each week. By the end of the season, Jordan Davis is going to play a key role in this defense. A lot of praise for Nakobe Dean in the press conference yesterday. He has yet to see the field because of how good the linebackers are playing. But this defensive line rotation, I mean, it's got to be one of the elite, if not the best, in the league. And I think the Eagles are smart because – they have seen year after year their big-time defensive line, whether it's Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham, get hurt and be out. And now you have guys that can filter in, and it really doesn't miss a beat. And you also look at guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham who are older in their careers, so you're giving them a less snap count. That means they can be more effective, and you're having guys behind them that can really step up and do the exact same thing. And that's what's so exciting, and I think that's what this Eagles team is going to be so successful this year because they're so deep in so many different areas. Injuries are going to happen. That's the name of the game, and we've been saying that it's a physical, tough game. But when you look at this defensive line right now and you look at the rotations of everything like this, how do you even game plan for all of these guys? How do you go into your film room as an offensive line and say, well, I need to watch out for this, this, and the other, because you don't know who you're going to see when the week comes. It might be Fletcher Cox playing majority of the snaps. Maybe they'll switch it order the rotation. So I think for an opposing team, it's hard to even game plan against too. Yeah, they're preserving these guys in a really efficient way. They're giving them a, a lot of these older guys are getting a day off midweek as well. And so far, so good. I mean, injuries can really alter the course of a season. But hold our breath. Uh, knock on wood. They've been lucky through the first three games, relatively unscathed when it comes to the injury. Now, I haven't heard too much about Darius Slay. I know he left in the first quarter. Zach McPherson has come on and, and kind of held the fort. But he's really the only player in that secondary that hasn't played 100% of the snaps. Otherwise, Epson and, and uh, Chauncey have all played 100%. Even Bradbury has played 100%. But Slay has only been about 80%. So how do you factor that into this equation? Are you thinking that maybe there's an injury there that's more than they're letting on? Or are they, you know, Slay is, what, 31 going on 32? Are they just maybe preserving him a little bit here? I think it might be a little bit of both. I think something definitely is nagging him because we even saw it against the Vikings as well. When he came out trying to get that second interception and came up hobbling a little bit and then came back and got the INT. I also, you know, I think it's the preserving him as well, though. I think if Slay comes to you and says, hey, you know, whether it's a cramp, whether it's a hamstring, whatever it may be, we don't really know. But in the same sense, you know his age, you know that he is one of the most effective guys in your secondary and on that defensive side of the ball. You and me need to make sure he's not only good now, but you need to make sure that he's good towards the end of the season when you're making that playoff push because he's the guy that can turn everything around. He's the guy if your offense can't get going in the second half because, honestly, right now the Eagles offense hasn't shown a lot of second-half production because they haven't had to. He's the guy that can make the big plays to make sure that they close the game out. So I think it's about making sure that he's fully healthy and also making sure if he says any little thing is bothering him, if he even tweaks an ankle, being like, all right, we're going to make sure we monitor this as best as we can because it's not about having Darius Slay for week four, five, and six. It's about having him at the end of the year and in the postseason too. No doubt. And 
you know, I think they can afford to do that because I got to, I got to admit, I think Avante Maddox is becoming like my favorite player on this <laughs> Eagles defense. He's just the X factor, man. And, and uh, Gannon on at his presser, he said his ability to win one-on-one and also be an occasional blitzer. And Oh, by the way, almost like a coach on the field, the way he communicates pre-snap and letting his teammates know that, hey, if I'm on coverage, but I might have to switch it up based on alignment and get after the quarterback and shoot on the blitz, Avante Maddox has developed into a savvy veteran. But again, another guy like Josh Sweat, he just flies under the radar. But to me, this guy is really like he is – I don't want to say the heart and soul of the defense, but, man, he is the definition of this eagle – dog mentality no yeah and I think he's a leader on that side of things as well I mean you look at Darius Slay talent wise I think okay well you look at that on the sheet of paper and you say he's the quarterback of that secondary but you look at Avante Maddox I mean the way this guy has grown too from being a Philadelphia Eagle from seeing him grow over the past two years and how much better he's gotten now he's the guy that's leading all of these other guys and being able to communicate and that's the biggest thing, because if you don't communicate on the field, if you just say, I'm going to do my part and don't help out your other guys, it's going to be chaos. And that's what we've seen with the Philadelphia Eagles for the past few years. But he has stepped up big time. I love watching him, too. I love how he gets hyped over every single play, even if it's the smallest thing, because you need a guy like that. You need a hype man, no matter how big or how small, you need somebody that's going to be positive back there. And that's going to lead your team. And that's what he's been able to do. And the growth of him just has been so fun to watch. I'm glad the Eagles have definitely really stayed with him and been able to train him up to be where he is right now. No doubt. And, you know, one guy we haven't even mentioned yet is Hassan Reddick. We talked about uh, the hometown hero coming back a little bit streaky out of the gates has come on a little bit stronger uh, as the season wears on. Now, Still, another guy only playing 50 to 60% of the snaps. They're paying him a lot of money. He came out and said after this Commanders game, we are nowhere near where we want to be. That's a pretty interesting statement for one of the only two teams still being left undefeated. So Reddick putting the self-pressure on the defense saying, hey, we got a lot of room to get better and improve. And if you're the if you're the other 31 teams and you're hearing that, you're saying, well, Heck, we might be in for some trouble here. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to look at it, too, because you never want to settle, especially early in the season. But when you look at John Gannon, the way that he's been able to improve since week one to week three, when you look at the rotations, that's probably something new for a lot of these guys. I mean, you talk about veterans like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham coming in, and their whole entire career is probably playing majority of the snaps, and now it's lessened and lessened and lessened. And for other guys like Reddick and other positions as well, I mean – these guys are probably still getting used to that rotation and figuring out how effective they need to be when they get put in that situation. And that's exciting. I mean, it's crazy to even think about that. And I think this is one of the most complete Eagles teams in years that I can even think of. And I'm even talking about when they won the Super Bowl because you look at these guys, you look how deep they are right now. And I know I said that earlier, but it's so exciting when you look at it because once again, you have rotations on rotations. You're keeping guys healthy. You're making sure that they have enough gas to come in later in the game and make those big plays. And I think that's what he's talking about. It's about getting better every single week, about realizing, okay, when can I come in 
and I only might be playing a little bit of the snaps, but how effective can I be when I'm on the field? And that's something I think that they're going to get better and better off each week too. She's Philadelphia's finest, Kayla Santiago, <laughs> dropping bombs on the football playbook. The most complete Eagles roster, including the Super Bowl team. You heard her say it. You heard it here first on the football playbook. And I know um, you weren't able to watch the primetime affair because you're doing big willy things down there in the, the D.C. area at Delmarva Sports. This game, back to Sunday. Hopefully you'll be able to soak it in. I know you won't be able to attend the game, or maybe you are, but uh, – there's a question. Will will Dougie P receive the standing ovation that he deserves if the one Kayla Santiago was in attendance at the game? Are you standing and clapping for Doug? Are you booing for Doug? Are you kind of waiting to see what the rest of the crowd, what kind of reception do you think Doug Peterson deserves on Sunday? If it was me, I'm standing, I'm clapping, I'm holding up signs, I'm having a fake Lombardi trophy in the stands. I mean, come on, this guy helped deliver the one Super Bowl to the city. And it wasn't even his fault that the Eagles let him go. A lot of people, you know, weren't happy about his play calling. I think it was the right decision at the end of the day. I think both sides needed to depart from each other. I think the Eagles needed to move on. And I think Doug Peterson needed to move on and be on a new team. But it's not like he did anything awful to Philadelphia. It's not like he said, I want to leave this city. I don't like this city. I don't want to be a part of it. He has said nothing but good things about Philly. And I think you're crazy if you're in the stands and you're booing him at all. I mean, are you kidding me? This coach made memories for a lifetime. You're never going to be able to experience a first Super Bowl win ever again as a Philadelphia fan, sitting with your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, your parents, your siblings, your cousins. I love Doug Peterson. I'm not going to love going up against him, but I think that he definitely deserves a standing ovation. But I'm curious to see because, listen, fans are super unpredictable, and they could be like, we're playing this team. It's competition. It's football. I don't want him on the field. But I genuinely hope he does get a standing ovation on Sunday. Yeah, You never know with the Philly fan base, but I think he's going to get a standing ovation. And I'm with Gigi Meta in the chat room, man. I'm going to be standing in my living room <laughs> giving a standing ovation. For sure. And, uh, you know, to answer his previous question, because I know he was late to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Yes, Brandon Graham was named your NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, Kayla Santiago is our guest of the week here. We got to get a score prediction from you before we let you go. Kayla, drum roll, please. I told you the Eagles came in, <laughs> opened up as a touchdown favorite. The line is already starting to trickle down. I haven't seen... Uh, what what it was at last check, but give us a prediction and score if you can. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a gritty game. I think both lines on the offensive and defensive side of the ball for both teams are going to go at each other. I think the game plan from both coaches is going to be fantastic. I'm going to take the Eagles 24 to 21 over the Jags. I think it's going to be really close. I think it could be a last second field goal as well. And I think that the Eagles will win. I think they're at home. I think they have the edge, but don't overlook Doug Peterson. He knows exactly what it's like to coach in Philadelphia. He's going to come in with a game plan. And I think it's going to be some great Sunday football to watch. No doubt. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be a close game. I sat here and said that last week. It wasn't. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong again. I hope we're both wrong. Me I too. hope it's an Eagles <laughs> Me too. <laughs> right? So we'll come back and talk about it next week. And I know uh, you got a lot going on down there at Delmarva Sports. Tell the listening audience at home where they can follow you and some of the things you have on the horizon. Yeah, so Twitter, Kayla underscore Santiago1, tweeting all Eagles, Sixers, and what we've been doing as well. 
Um, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up. We have an MMA fight coming up in October 22nd. A lot of UFC fighters that want to go to the Contender Series will be there. So we're super excited about that. And we're in the gritty season of high school football and college football right now. Salisbury University is right there as well, University of Delaware. And then we look at all of our high schools. I mean, Friday Night Lights have just been so fun to cover down here. It's getting a little bit colder too, but everybody loves football. It's football weather. So it's been a lot of fun. And we post all of our games and our shows and everything like that on my Twitter as well. So be sure to stay tuned for that. No, absolutely. Love the high school football. It's pretty big down there. And I'm not sure if you were aware that we had Austin Lane on the other day. He's a former Jaguars player, and he just got signed to the Dana White UFC contender series. So keep a lookout for that young man. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the guys that we covered last year in the same MMA event just got signed too. So that's fantastic. I love UFC. So I definitely will be watching. I watch all of the contender series fight nights yeah, and things like I, that. So I can't say, yeah, sorry to cut you off. I can't say I know a lot about it, <laughs> but I am intrigued when guys like Adrian Peterson fought Le'Veon Bell a couple weeks ago. I just, <laughs> I found that interesting and I didn't realize Austin Lane, one of his first pro fights was against Greg Hardy. Mm. Uh, who you know from the Dallas Cowboys and, yeah. and amongst others. So just figured I knew you were doing a lot of MMA and UFC. Just keep a, keep an eye open for Austin Lane, 12-3 and three as a pro. Uh, so a little tidbit there. Hopefully uh, I can educate you as much as you're educating our listening audience. We'll uh, come back and do it again next week, shall we, Kayla? Yeah, I can't wait. Hopefully we're smiling as much as we are today, and it's another Eagles W. I hope so. (laughs) Absolutely. Go Birds. Go Birds. That's Kayla Santiago, who uh, joins us here each and every Wednesday, breaking down your Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of good points there, and I agree with her about the take on Jalen Hurts. You do, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where that one week where he took 20 hits or whatever the case may be, the Jaguars are going to be looking to play with bad intent. Doug Peterson, I mentioned this in the summer when I was filling in for uh, uh, on the Birds 365 show, and we talked about, you know, I used to do my training camp tour every year, and I'd visit six to 12 NFL training camps each summer. And Doug Peterson's training camps are as physical and fierce and the most hitting I've seen in any in any modern day NFL training camp. And that's the mentality that's coming to town on Sunday. So don't get it twisted if you think this is, you know, the same old Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not. They're coming with a new mentality. Uh, you heard Ashlyn Sullivan talk about the night and day uh, atmosphere surrounding the team. A year ago, we were probably saying goodbye to Urban Meyer right around this time with what a debacle experiment the Urban Meyer uh, experience was. That's where this team was this time last year. And in less than a year now, they're playing at a very high level. I look around the power rankings. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in a lot of, a lot of top 10 when you look around the power rankings. So, you know, I think uh, Vegas, is maybe sleeping on this team. That's a big, that's a big point spread, a touchdown with a team that just crushed the chargers by four touchdowns. They just beat the Colts. You know, this is a good team coming, coming up at you. So uh, 
Hey, almost two hours of power in the books. Time flies. We heard from Ashlyn Sullivan, uh, Jaguars.com, Glenn Irby, USA Today Eagles Newswire. Just heard from Kayla Santiago, of course, from Delmarva Sports. If you're listening live or on the archive, everything is going to be replayed up at the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. That's why you got to subscribe, get all your show notifications, hit the like button, help your boy out in the algorithms. It's all brought to you by the Ocean Casino Resorts, your home for Eagles pre and post game. When we come back, we'll tie up some loose ends. We'll get you ready for the sports take coming up at noon Eastern. So don't go anywhere. Keep it locked in. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. at it again tfb with ric here wednesday september 28th our 22 episode 22 episodes in the books here on jacob sports youtube channel big shout out to all our chat room people i see you out there gg meta limits cod red zone 
Gil Lewis, big shout out, man. Appreciate the love there. Thank you for tuning in. Great to see you in the chat room. Paul Mancini, uh, always leading the charge, trying to get my likes up. I love the chat room people always supporting the show, getting behind us. And whether you're a chat room people or a listener on the YouTube channel frequently, hey, drop us a line in the comment section, the chat room, show your boy uh, some love and hit the like button. We appreciate all that and more. Okay. Um, almost two hours of power here in the book. Sports take coming up at noon. Our guy, Big Seals, will be taking over from three to six each and every day. National football show there. Uh, some tabs from around the league. Um, you know, I mentioned Tua Tagalavoa. He's listed as limited. This is a big time uh, Thursday night football matchup tomorrow. And we'll we'll talk more about that with our guy, Dan Vandernat that we have on. But to me, this is really a make it or break it game for the Cincinnati Bengals, who were in the Super Bowl a year ago. They got a W on the board last week against the, the Jets. Good team to face and get healthy. I love this Thursday night football. Hey, kudos to the schedule makers for finally getting one right. What a what a primetime affair. Bengals, Dolphins, Dolphins 3-0 against the, the, number, the, the AFC champions. I got news for you. If the Dolphins win this, it is a coming out party and, and a declaration that they are for real. And it's going to be 9-1-1 time, a state of emergency for Cincinnati if they fall to 1-3 and three in that vaunted AFC. This is a big-time affair early on in the season on Thursday Night Football. I like that kind of party. Um, also, quarterbacks in the division, Dak Prescott. We mentioned it yesterday. Uh, they they talked about it on Monday Night Football that he had the stitches removed from his throwing hand. He could potentially come back this week. Not so fast, my friends. Uh, Dak will not return this week. However, he did say uh, that he has an eye to return in week five against the world champion L.A. Rams. So Dak Prescott uh, eyeing a comeback week five ahead of schedule against the defending champs. Cooper Rush will have his chance to extend his undefeated record uh, like Rocky Marciano style. Uh, he'll look to go 4-0 as a starter and say what you want. The guy, the guy Cooper Rush is probably a, a coach in the making. Uh, we talk about him and Kellen Moore being connected at the hip. Cooper Rush has probably got a co coaching future uh, after he's done holding a clipboard for Dak. He'll be back as a backup. Daniel Jones in that same Monday night football game was pressured at my last count. Uh, like I said, I counted the, the, the broadcast team had just got done telling us 21 pressures, the most ever of a Daniel Jones star. And as they were saying that he got sacked again. So at last count, it was 22 pressures in that game just to complete debacle. You know, the, the faces change. But the, the outcomes remain the same with the Giants offensive line. I always refer to the Giants offensive line like subway turnstiles. Just wait until the Eagles defensive line gets a hold of that offensive line. Oh, my God. It doesn't matter who you draft. It doesn't matter who you sign. And now you got the excuses. Evan Neal uh, coming out and saying, oh, that's the worst game I've ever played of my life. No kidding, Evan. No kidding. <laughs> Thanks for the news flash. So, you know, say what you want for all the positive there. 
I like Brian Dayball. I think they got it right with the Joe Shane Dayball regime. It's still going to take some time for this Giants to be considered a contender, in my opinion. So uh, to me, Dallas is the team that probably is going to be that annoying mosquito that, you know, is going to remain in the mix. I think, you know, by the time the Eagles go into that week seven bye, the Giants will likely be a 500 ball club. The red, uh, the commanders will be a below 500 team and the Cowboys will probably be sitting somewhere around four and two or three and three. So, um, also in the NFC, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, uh, Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas, both absent for practice yesterday. Um, the reason why this is notable, you know, Michael Thomas only plays when he feels like it. You know, and I said, you know, our good friend Emory Hunt was on here and a couple others saying the Saints, look out for the Saints. Yeah, I said, you know, maybe, but there's a lot of ifs. If Jameis Winston bounces back, if Michael Thomas feels like playing, and we saw it last year, you know, Michael Thomas didn't play. He claimed he had an injury. I don't want to question or second guess anybody, but as soon as they got into contention, seems like uh, Michael Thomas checked out. The Saints season not really going the way they expected. Don't be surprised if you see Michael Thomas check out again. And, you know, the fact that Winston did not practice, it's somewhat concerning from a standpoint as there's already talk about a quarterback controversy in New Orleans. Uh, Andy Dalton was signed, I believe, on a one-year one AFLAC insurance policy because as we've seen almost every year, it seems like Jameis Winston is always getting hurt. Like when's the last time, probably when he led the league in interceptions, I think he threw for 5,000 yards. He also threw about 30 picks. That's the last time we saw Jameis Winston healthy. And now he's got four broken ribs, a, a, a twisted up ankle, and he's not exactly lighting up the scoreboard. So you just wonder now, hey, it's only a matter of time until Andy Dalton <laughs> takes the reins again. So uh, quarterback controversy brewing in New Orleans. And the only other quarterback controversy brewing, I think, around the league is when, not if, but when Kenny Pickett will take over from Mitchell Trubisky. We said, hey. Mitchell Trubisky, he looked so good in preseason. Yeah, it's the preseason. We know who Mitchell, we know who the real Mitchell Trubisky is. Well, the real Mitch Trubisky, please stand up. Yes, we know who you are. You know, for all the criticism Jalen Hurts takes, Kenny Pickett's actually a year older than Hurts and can't see the field. What's that say? It says you got a pretty good quarterback. So, you know, that's your news and notes from around the league. Um, tomorrow, we will have, we are scheduled to have Eddie Kratz, who usually joins us on Tuesdays. He was on Birds 365 yesterday. If you missed that spot, you can watch that on the archives. So we'll have Eddie Kratz uh, from Sports Illustrated. We'll have our guy, Dane Vandernet from the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl checking in, get a little NFL draft talk, and then Neil Stratton from Inside the League will give us our finger on the pulse from the scouting and agent community. So, um, again, yesterday, Jonathan Gannon, press conference, 
said it all starts up front, getting out to an early lead, gave him a lot of flexibility in the play calling, the versatility of Marcus Epps and CD Juice. Uh, they can stay on the field for all coverage packages. And that's that's saying something about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the way he got brought up to speed so quickly and can play 100% of the snaps. Uh, he also said he's concerned about the Jaguars' weapons because we talked about the protection, the offensive line. They can beat you a lot of different ways. Travis Etienne is probably their X factor. Look for him to be moved in motion out of the backfield, maybe in the slot. He'll be utilized as a pass catcher, kind of change of pace uh, from James Robinson, who drew a lot of praise from Doug Peterson for the way he came off of that ACL injury. I think Ashland said it's only been nine months or so. Just incredible the way our medical science has improved the rehab and recovery from a torn ACL. It used to be a year or two until a player was able to recover to previous form. Here's James Robinson doing it in eight or nine months. Big 50-yard run a week ago. This is a good one-two punch. Uh, maybe even better than what we saw with the Detroit Lions one-two punch in week one. So, And then we talked about you know Trevor Lawrence just processing, playing at an all-time uh, high. They put on film from last year. They put on film from this year. They said, for whatever the case may be, it's the Dougie P uh, uh, effect. He's just playing at a much faster level. So that was the Jonathan Gannon presser. Steve Steichen, you know, called the Jaguars defense salty, uh, says they're strong versus the run, got a great pass rush, all things we already knew. And uh, just, again, continuing um, to, to get praise and kudos to Jalen Hurts, said it was big for us to lean on the passing attack for once, and the flow of the game will dictate the in-game play calling. Um, so, and he also deflected, you know, again, Shane Sykes, we talked about Jonathan Gannon's kind of head coaching presence that he brings. Shane Steichen, another one I think could be a head coach in the making. They asked him about Devonta Smith and his punt returning and said, Hey, is there any pushback from you, Shane, when, when uh coach wants to put Devonta back there, you know, that's one of your most valuable weapons on offense. Any, any pushback there? You okay with that? He said, guys, I'm not touching it. And I'm not my pay grade, not my, that's not my area. So kudos to, to Steichen for the self-awareness there. Um, and again, he said, you know, Jalen Hurts, we can't kick him out of the building. He's there at 4 a.m. He's there at 8 p.m. Uh, first one in, last one out. It's all things that we've been preaching and teaching here on the football playbook. So if you're just tuning in, uh, your Brandon Graham was the NFC Defensive Player of the Year. Our opponent, Trevor Lawrence, was named AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, the Eagles announced they'll wear black helmets in three of their final seven home games, and they will make their debut November 27th against Green Bay. we got a couple minutes left here. I want to pop on our MVP behind the scenes, pop him on the scene, our producer, Tone DeShields, joining the show. Tone, what you got cooking for us today, man? Oh, man, you know, just working behind the scenes, doing my thing, man. You know, Jacob Sports keeps me busy, and I love it. Yeah, so I wanted to pick your brain. We talked earlier in the week about the Commanders game. I haven't asked you too much about the Jaguars matchup. Uh, two ascending quarterbacks. This is going to be a great matchup. I think Vegas is disrespecting the Jaguars. 
You hmm. see a close game. You see an Eagles uh, dominant affair. Uh, the Hurricane now is playing a little bit of an X factor. Give us your take on this upcoming matchup. Yeah, first and foremost, man, it's a shame that the Hurricane is really um, having as much influence on not just the game of football, but, you know, on all those people down, you know, down south in Florida and also in Puerto Rico. Um, I have a, a good family friend over in Puerto Rico, you know, trying to you know, hold it down for his people. So, uh, yeah, man, you know, the, the hurricane is, a, is an unfortunate situation. But I know um, I, I know those families and those people in Puerto Rico go on, hold it down like they always do. And the same thing for the people in Florida. So shout out to them um, on the football front. You know, I'm really paying close attention to the um, the Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker core. I'm not too enamored with their DBs and I know their defensive front is going to do what they do. But I'm really paying attention to guys like Devin Lloyd and Walker and I think uh, Josh Allen, right? Those guys are the X factors on that defense. And, you know, let's put it into perspective. Uh, Devin Lloyd, a guy that the Eagles were targeting um, and I got a guy that I wanted them to draft. But that's, um, you know, that's in the past. Uh, Devin Lloyd right now, in my humble opinion, he's the best defensive player on the Jaguars right now. He leads them in interceptions with two interceptions in three games. He leads them in tackles. He leads them in pass deflections. He's everywhere on the field. So it's going to be really important for um, Jalen Hurts to keep his eye on Devin Lloyd because I wouldn't be surprised if he's um, down there spying on Jalen Hurts and, you know, batting balls, you know, coming across the middle. So I'm paying I'm paying close attention to Devin Lloyd even more so than Trevon Walker. No, fair enough. And, you know, there was a lot of Lloyd and Kobe Dean debate leading up to the draft and, and the Eagles got Dean later on and, you know, Gannon said, man, he got asked about Nakobe Dean. He said, you should be in the film room. This guy's a sponge. He's just soaking it up, eating it up. I think we're going to see Nakobe Dean eventually. But that's, again, like one of the tweets I saw you put out there earlier this week. That's the luxury of having depth and talent, right? Absolutely. And look, I love Nakobe Dean just as much as everyone, right? Full transparency, I was a Devin Lloyd guy, you know, during draft time. That was the guy I wanted initially. And I thought N'Kobe Dean would get drafted much higher than where he, where he got drafted. Nonetheless, um, N'Kobe Dean is on the Philadelphia Eagles, and, you know, I'm rocking with him to the Wells fall off. And Eagles fans need to understand that when you have a guy like TJ Edwards and Kazair White playing at the level they're playing at right now, just relax. No need to stress. You have a guy named Nicobe Dean waiting in the rafters, just chomping at the bits, waiting to get his, waiting to get his opportunity. He's a smart guy, and he's soaking up everything, like you just said. So, again, Eagles fans, I understand you're asking, where's Nicobe Dean? Where's Nicobe Dean? But have you asked yourself this question? Do we really need him out there right now? Throwing him out there right now, wouldn't that be a liability more so than an asset? Again, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White, those guys are playing lights out. You can't deny that. Hey. Tone, get the people some Heinz 57. Let them know. You know, good things come to those who wait. There's no need to rush, and uh, we'll be okay. So, you know, Nakobe's going to be just fine, everybody. I know we're running up against it here, Tone. Quickly, sports take coming up at noon. Any idea, any guests they got coming on? Um, actually, I don't, man. I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, hands off with the sports take show. Unless yeah, Xander's you know, taking over, right? Yeah, yeah uh, unless yeah. they need me to come in and, you know, do some uh, last-minute, you know, pinch producing. But – um, I'm, I'm not actually sure who's going to be on the docket for them today. Um, but, man, those sports days guys, they, they they do great work. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, Bear Brooks, an amazing show. One of our, you know, one, of our one of our biggest shows on, on, the, on the channel, on the network. So, man, yeah. um, I, I love what those guys do. No, I appreciate you, Tone. I'll get you out of here. I'm going to close up the shop. 
And uh, stay tuned for the Sports Take Show because I do believe they are the most uh, watched show on the Jacob Sports Channel. So you're in for a treat. It all starts in about a minute or so. So if you have the autoplay on, you can stay in the chat room. You can stay on the YouTube channel. It'll carry you right over. If not, go to uh, Jacob YouTube Sports and you'll get uh, locked in for another, uh, what, three hours of power until Big Sills takes over from three to six. This was the football playbook. We're here each and every day from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Please hit the like button if you haven't done so, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.